0: Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca/jsb. prospect of growing older in our youth-centric culture can leave you feeling left out and lonely. Will you have a place in tomorrow's world? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah turns to the Old Testament, where Caleb's story provides encouragement that old age can't keep you from accomplishing great things for God. To introduce today's message, The Lonely Senior, here's David. Well,
1: I don't know how old you are, um, but I can tell you this. If you're under the age of 85, you're still young, according to the Bible, because Caleb did his best work for God after he turned 85. And um, I tell you, I think sometimes God saves the best to last for his servants. And um, most of the time, people quit too soon. You've heard me say that before many times. But what do you do about the kind of loneliness that can happen to you as you get older? I remember one day my father told me something I never forgot. He said, David, one of the problems about getting older is you have more friends in heaven than you have on earth. So if you're getting older and your friends are going to heaven and little by little you're you're losing your friends, how do you deal with the loneliness of seniorhood? We're going to take two days and talk about that today on the Friday edition and again on Monday. This is all part of our series, Overcoming Loneliness. There's a study guide for this series. There's a CD package for this series. And there's a book, a really cool book for the month of August. It's brand new from Turning Point. Uh, This book is called God Has Not Forgotten You. He is with you even in uncertain times. Published by Thomas Nelson, this beautiful 190-page gift book is a hardcover book featuring 10 chapters that provide comfort and encouragement when you feel alone. And it's a good reminder of God's faithfulness during challenging times. Here's what you need to do. When you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of August, simply ask for your copy of this book, and we'll send it to you right away. You will love receiving this book. I have friends who've gotten it, and they said they sat down and read it right away, read it all the way through, and they were so encouraged. I know you will be. I like to think in my mind about people receiving these resources and opening the package and beginning to read and and being encouraged and blessed. I believe you'll be blessed by this book. And even if you personally aren't lonely, you know somebody who is, you can share it with them. So ask for it when you send your gift today. Let's begin our study of the lonely senior as we open our Bibles together.
2: I remember reading not long ago a story about a king who sentenced a subject to death in a rage of wrath. And he summoned his faithful servant, and in a moment of reconsideration, he said, in consideration of your faithful service to me, I have decided to let you choose the method by which you will die. And the servant said, If it's all right with you, Your Honor, I would like to die of old age. (laughs) Who could blame him? We all understand that. Most of us would like to die of old age if we can. Unfortunately, the process of getting from where we are to old age kind of dying isn't very much fun. Those who are growing older seem to struggle with the aging process, and those who are younger in the family in particular and in our culture in general— don't seem to know how to handle the problem either. It seems like growing older is just something we don't talk about and we don't know what to do with it. And yet it's interesting that there are a greater greater number of people who are growing older. There are more older people today in the United States than there have ever been. There. Are are more people in the 65 and over category than this country has ever known. In fact, I was surprised to learn that there are over 12,000 Americans who are 100 years of age and older, 12,000 living 100 plus people. We see someone who's 100 years of age and we think they are set apart from everybody else, but 12,000 of them are here. So growing older is a part of us and we better learn how to deal with it one way or another. The science of geriatrics, which is a medical discipline which deals with the problems of aging, is one of the fastest growing departments in the medical world. Everybody's interested in the process of growing older. In fact, one of the great political developments has been the growth of power blocks of the senior citizen variety. There is a group called the National Council of Senior Citizens, another group called the American Association of Retired Persons. There is an elderly protest group which I read about not long ago that just tickles me every time I read about it. They call themselves the Gray Panthers, and they are a powerful group. Now, The interesting thing, men and women, is that those of us who are Christians ought to know a lot more about aging than we do. But the loneliness that we see and face personally seems to grip us with some sort of tenacity, and it keeps us from really thinking about the problem. We find we are not immune to the sting of aloneness. When we lose our partner, even as Christians, we don't know how to deal with the gnawing feeling of unimportance that comes to us when we really don't seem to see how we fit into society any longer. The creative difference that growing older in Christ ought to make sometimes is not visible. Have you noticed that? In fact, I remember not too long ago sitting down one day and consciously looking around my Christian world to see if I could find any examples of men who were growing older the way I thought they should. I have to tell you that there were many bitter, negative people who came to mind, and there were a few gracious, positive models who stood out in my mind, but there weren't many. In fact, it was overwhelming to me to stop and think about the Christian leaders that I had grown up with, having had them as common guests in our home, and trying to think through where those people are today and what they're doing, and realizing that a vast number of those people that I had known growing up were men who had grown old bitter, and they are, feel like they've been passed over, and instead of maximizing their powers at a time when they have all of this experience to give, they have considered themselves to be retired, they've fallen off the edge of the Christian world, and they have absolutely no impact for God today. And I find myself saying, Jeremiah, I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want to grow old like that. You see, the fact is, we don't talk much about it. We have not been taught much about it. I have discovered one thing, and that is that the Bible is a much better place to look for models than my Christian world. And I have one I'd like to share with you today. He's a man by the name of Caleb. He's one of my favorite people in all of the Bible. He is a man who comes from the tribe of Judah. The Bible says he is the son of Jephunneh, a man who appears first in the book of Numbers. As you remember, he was Judah's representative in the Kadesh Barnea Caper. And he and Joshua were the two minority reporters who came back with the reply that it was possible to take the land even though it was filled with giants. The good news is that he and Joshua were the only two adults who were allowed to see the promised land. The bad news is that he almost got stoned for his report. Caleb was a man of vision and of faith. And as we see his life now, he is fourscore and five years old, and if you haven't figured that out, that's 85 years of age. He is 85 and still growing. As he prepares for the greatest moment in his life with is yet ahead for him, he illustrates to me two very important lessons that I hope I will never forget, and I hope I can etch them on your mind so that you won't forget them either. Lesson number one is this. You can accomplish life's greatest accomplishment at an old age. Think of that now. You can have your greatest moment at an age that most people consider to be on the downside. Lesson number two, you never, never retire in the Lord's service. Now, the reason that Caleb was able to implement those things in his own life is because there were three things about him that were the secrets of his existence, the secrets that caused him to be at age 85 what he was. And I'd like to just share those with you today as we think about this whole thing of growing older. How do we grow old gracefully? First thing I'd like to suggest to you is that Caleb kept growing physically. Now, some of you feel like you may qualify, you're just growing and growing and growing, but I want you to know that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about growing physically in terms of his physical power, his strength. I want you to read with me verses 10 and 11 of the 14th chapter of Joshua. And this is the statement of Caleb. He said, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. And what he's saying in that verse is that he is as strong at the age of 85 as he was when he was 40 years of age. Wow. He kept his physical prowess. He took care of his body. He reminds me of the statement we have concerning Moses in Deuteronomy 34 and verse 7, where we read that his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated, and Moses was 120 years of age when that was written about him. Now, I just bring out these thoughts from the life of Caleb because we have a tendency, do we not, to downplay the importance of the outer man as Christians. We are so spiritually minded we forget that whatever we do spiritually we have to do in our bodies. I remember walking into a doctor's office one day and seeing a sign that jolted me it said when you wear out this body then where are you going to live? That's an important thought because you see every single thing you or I do spiritually we do in the body. I don't know anybody that's done anything spiritually sort of out there in limbo you know just sort of floating around through space God has to use us in our bodies. And therefore, if we are going to be useful to God from all of these years that are before many of us, then we have got to come to grips with what it means to grow old and keep growing in a proper way physically. Now, the way we deal with that in our world is we make fun of it. Have you noticed that all the jokes about growing older are about the physical side of growing older? I don't think I can tell you one story about the spiritual side of growing old. But I could tell you lots about growing old physically. You probably have seen the placard that has all of the signs of how you know when you're growing old. Oh, they're delightful. You know you're growing old when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. You know you're growing old when the gleam in your eyes is the sun hitting your bifocals. You know you're growing old when you get winded playing chess. You know you're growing old when you join a health club and you don't go. You know you're growing old when the only names in your little black book end in M.D. You know you're growing old when your back goes out more than you do. You know you're growing old when you sink your teeth into a stake and they stay there. You know you're growing old when dialing long distance wears you out. You know you're growing old when the little gray-haired lady you help across the street happens to be your wife. And here's my favorite. You know you're growing old, men, when a pretty girl walks by and your pacemaker makes the garage door go up. (laughs) Some unknown author has described it this way. He said, since I have retired from life's competition, each day is filled with complete repetition I get up each morning and dust off my wits, go pick up the paper and read the obits. If my name isn't there, I know I'm not dead. So I get a good breakfast and go back to bed. (laughs) The reason that I know my youth is all spent is my get up and go has got up and went. (laughs) And we could go on and tell you lots of other little things about growing older, because the way we deal with growing older is we poke fun at it. And that's all right because there are some strange things about getting older, but that's not necessarily, I believe, the way we should deal with it. The Bible says that somehow Caleb kept growing physically so that he was able to do at 85 what he did at 40. And that intrigues me because I plan to live for a long time, and I would like to be able to do when I'm 85 what I can do when I'm 40 in terms of serving God. It also reminds me about something that I think affects many of us here today and that is there's an interesting and intriguing relationship between Caleb at 40 and Caleb at 85 and that is that apparently he made some decisions when he was 40 that affected his effectiveness when he was 85 and that's interesting to me because as I study his life I am aware of the fact that Caleb had every reason in the world to give up at 40 And I'd just like to make the observation that that seems to be about the age when many of us have a tendency to give up on our bodies, to just give up on our ability to do things physically that we ought to be able to do at that age. Caleb had every reason to be discouraged and just throw in the towel. Let me suggest a couple of reasons. First of all, during that time frame, in his midlife, Caleb was up for a promotion. The senior officer of the company was about to die, and when he died, there were two men who were standing in place to get the job—Joshua and Caleb. I cannot tell you one reason why Joshua should have been chosen over Caleb, but he was. And When the news came down from the front office that Caleb was not going to be promoted to the top spot, had he been like many I know, realizing there would be no more opportunities for him, he could have gotten very discouraged and said, what's the use, and given up on life. But he did not. The second thing I would like to suggest to you is that when Caleb was at the peak of his career, at the peak of his ministry, at the peak of his life, at the age of 40, do you know where he was? God put him off on the backside of a desert where he was to spend the next 45 years of his life waiting for the rebellious Jewish generation to die off so that God could ultimately take them into the promised land. There was absolutely no realistic and positive goal to motivate Caleb. He was in a waiting game. All his life was wrapped up in just waiting for God's judgment to be carried out on the rebellious Israelites who had refused to believe God. Five years of fighting in Canaan, God kept him alive. Unbelief and bitterness never seemed to enter his life. His powers were at their peak. He was in the desert. I don't know who it was that said it, but someone has written these words, that the hardest part of the journey is the middle mile. There is an enthusiasm of the new undertaking which buoys us up at the start. The thrill of reaching the goal is there at the finish, but it is the middle mile when you are a long way from the start and also still distant from the goal. It is that that tests the mettle of the runner. On the middle mile of life's pilgrimage, the believer needs the grace of patient continuance. The soul can summon unusual strength for great sorrows and extra power for mighty deeds, better than it can muster the commonplace. The dangers of fierce battle are preferable to the humdrum of the trenches. There are days when we fly and days when we run, but most days we just walk, and those are the hardest. And it was at that time in Caleb's life when he made some long-lasting decisions so that when the time came and God was ready to use him for the greatest moment in his life, he was prepared. And because of that, he challenges my life. Caleb kept growing physically. He could have quit, but he kept himself ready. Like a more recent Caleb, I I'm enamored with a man by the name of John Wesley. John Wesley, at 85 years of age, said he was not weary in travel. He was not weary in preaching. And I remind you that this man was like he was before modern transportation. He traveled 250,000 miles on horseback. He preached 40,000 sermons. He wrote 400 books, and he learned and spoke 11 languages fluently. He attributed his youthful activity at one time at the age of 85. He said there were four things that kept him going. Number one, he said exercise and the change of air. Number two, having never lost a night of sleep on land or at sea. Number three, getting up at 4 o'clock each morning. And number four, for 50 years, preaching at 5 a.m. every morning of the week. That's what kept him young. When he was 86, John Wesley was annoyed that he couldn't write more than 15 hours a day. When he was 87, he was ashamed that he could not preach more than twice a day, and he confessed that there was a growing urge to lie in bed after 5.30 in the morning (laughs) at 87. Well, men and women, I just want to remind you that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, and I haven't been able to find one shred of evidence in the Word of God that tells me that we should stop caring for them after they reach a certain age. (laughs) Caleb was a man God was able to use— at four score and five years because he kept growing physically. i just like to say to you, if you can't run, walk, and if you can't walk, shuffle, but do something to take care of your body. The second thing I'd like to suggest to you is that Caleb grew old gracefully because he kept growing mentally. I want you to turn with me to the 12th verse of the 14th chapter. Verse 12 says this, Here's Caleb now, he's 85 years of age, and you know this story so well, I don't need to dwell on the details of it. Caleb is 85 years of age, and he says, Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spoke in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakim, or the giants, were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I'll drive them out, as the Lord said. 85 years of age, and he wants the biggest challenge there is to have. Now let me remind you of a couple of things. Number one... All of the other men who were assigned to claim the land of Palestine were younger men. How do you know that? Well, there were only two guys that came out of the desert experience because God made all of the contemporaries who refused to believe God at Kadesh Barnea die off. And so the only two that came out of that were Joshua and Caleb. And so I can promise you that of all of the men who were challenged to go in and settle the land of Palestine, Caleb was the oldest. And yet here's the oldest guy on the team, and he wants the biggest job. He wants the mountain. And it's not just an ordinary mountain, folks. It's a mountain where the giants are. The Anakim are there. And those are the fellows that frightened off the majority of the people back in Numbers chapter 13 and caused them to believe you couldn't settle that land because there were giants there. And Caleb said, hey, I'll take that one. I'll take that assignment. Just give me the mountain. He was the oldest man. He asked for the toughest assignment. Why? Because he still had a lot of challenge in his life. He would kept growing mentally. He hadn't died off. He had a dream and he had a goal and he wanted to be involved right up until the end. I want you to go back with me by way of validating the significance of this to the 13th chapter of Joshua in verse 1. And there we're told that the lands at the end of Joshua's life are still unconquered. And I want you to notice this. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remains yet very much land to be possessed. All right? They hadn't gotten the job done. All of these younger men who were supposed to be possessing the land had not gotten the job done. In fact, I can give you their report card. Turn to chapter 13 and verse 13. Nevertheless, the children of Israel expel not the Geshurites nor the Mekathites, nor the Geshurites, and the Mekathites dwell among the Israelites to this day." What they were supposed to do was to go into the land and drive out the inhabitants and settle the land. Verse 13 says they hadn't gotten that part of it done yet. Now, notice chapter 15 and verse 63. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem until this day. They failed driving out the Jebusites. They didn't get that done either. Notice chapter 16, verse 10. And they drove not out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day and serve under tribute. Notice chapter 17, verse 12. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Notice verses 16 through 18 of the 17th chapter. And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Shean and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, Thou art a great people, and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood. Thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites. Though they have iron chariots and though they be strong, but the record is clear that they didn't do it. They never got it done.
1: But as you will learn, someone got it done. He was the oldest dude in the whole group. And uh, he's always such a challenge to me, this man, Caleb. We'll have more about it on Monday. I hope you'll join us then. Over the weekend, you can watch Turning Point on television. Uh, We're everywhere in the country in many national networks and individual local stations. There's a station finder at davidjeremiah.org that will tell you about all the stations that carry the television program and at what time. Uh, I would encourage you to go to church. And if you want to watch Turning Point and it's on during your church time, just DVR and watch it when you get home. Don't use television ministry to stay home from church. That's the wrong thing to do. You need to get back, especially now if you haven't been going to church, you need to get back in the body of Christ, get back with your people, and begin to strategize how you're going to make a difference in this world that so desperately needs the church during these days. And then, of course, um, we'll be back on Monday to continue our discussion of loneliness. And I'll mention once more that uh, our special resource for this month is the book, God Has Not Forgotten You. I I love this book because uh, it it invites you to open it. It's beautiful. And uh, every page is different. And the words are so encouraging because they're from the scripture. If you want to be encouraged, here's a good book for you, God Has Not Forgotten You. It's yours for the asking when you send your gift this month. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend.
0: more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Overcoming Loneliness please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine turning points and our daily email devotional sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio that's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call us at 800-946-4300 ask for your copy of David's reassuring new book God Has Not Forgotten You A comforting reminder that God is working all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Overcoming Loneliness, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids, from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible.
1: Some of the wisest words ever written on the subject of temptation were penned by Mark Twain. He said, It's easier to stay out than to get out. You and I know what he meant. It's easier to stay away from temptation's door than to go back once we cross the threshold. And staying away from temptation's door is where the Bible helps us. The Apostle Paul wrote that God provides a way of escape for every temptation that is common to man, which means, of course, every temptation. God provides the way of escape but it is up to us to take it. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's ways of escaping temptation on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to
2: Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.